Awesome. Well, good morning. Those of you uh, in the comments, cafe, watching us online, I'm David Palmazano, one of the pastors here, and uh, I am thrilled not just to share the word this morning, but to also um, have the privilege of bringing our series through the book of Jonah to a conclusion. Um, but before we get there, I have a few announcements and opportunities to share with you. Beginning on uh, September 11th, we have our fall groups starting. Now, yeah, we believe that groups is one of the primary ways here at Calvary Chapel that we want to connect with community and foster a culture of discipleship. Um, so we do encourage every person to get involved in a group. We've got groups that meet uh, on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. So uh, kids ministry is up and running. The moms and dads, praise the Lord, mini date night at church. Um, but we do encourage you to get it in a group. Now, we are running here at the church this semester in the fall. Uh, really, we're focusing on four types of groups. We are going to have a men's only group, and that is for you men. You can scan the QR code there uh, to just get connected with one another and together learn uh, what the Bible says about biblical manhood in this day and age, that we would be men of God, uh, fearless for the Lord. Uh, the second group that we have is a group for you ladies. Uh, this group is super cool. This group here is going to do a study uh, of the New Testament through all of the women in the Bible who had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, learn from their interactions, learn from their encounter with Jesus. Um, and, and I think that's going to be just a great time. So uh, ladies, again, want to encourage you, get connected in that group, discipled, and, and connect with community with one another. Now, the next two groups follow the same or a similar cur uh, curriculum. It is the Experiencing God uh, curriculum. And we have got Experiencing God for uh, couples, for marrieds, as well as another group that's a mixed group for men and women together. But Experiencing God at its core uh, is a curriculum designed to help you and I kind of rekindle or re-foster a zeal and a passion and a fervor for the things of God. So uh, again, we do want to encourage you to get involved in a group. Groups begin on September... Let's go one more time. September... 11th, yes, yes, get connected there. Okay, also coming up, backing it up a day, to September 10th, that is uh, two weeks from today, after the uh, 11 a.m. service, we are going to have Pizza with a Pastor. Now, Pizza with a Pastor is a, an opportunity for you, if you are new to the church, or if um, maybe you just have some questions or trying to get connected to the church, how, what things are like here, how things operate, uh, that is a time where, where we want to meet with you, want you to be able to meet with us and just ask some questions uh, about the church, and we want to share with you how things are done. We do ask, though, that you would sign up for that so we know how much uh, pizza to get, because um, it goes quick, let me tell you what. Uh, but that is after the 11 a.m. service on Sunday, September 10th in room D210. The D rooms are right above the cafe. So if you see the steps in the commons, go up the stairs. There's also an elevator there, and, uh, and that's where we will meet. Okay, next, uh, you may have seen as you were coming in this morning from the commons in our hallways, these big boxes. Those are our boxes of love, one can, you can. And part of our vision statement here at Calvary Chapel is that we exist to glorify God by being a loving community. That's the first part of our vision statement. And what we want to do is we want to love our community. And one of the ways that we do that is by collecting canned goods and dry goods, and then we would uh, distribute those 
um, to people in need. So uh, we ask that the Lord would impress upon your heart next time you're at the grocery store, uh, just grab a couple extra canned goods or dry goods and just drop them in one of those um, boxes in the commons or the hallway. You can, oh, one more time on that slide. You can scan that QR code for a list of uh, dry goods that we are collecting. Okay, spoiler alert, the next announcement. Uh, we do have baptism uh, coming up on September 9th. Now, this will be our last beach baptism of the year. Um, after this one, we'll, we'll go to a non-beach baptism. But uh, September 9th, 9 a.m., Spessard Holland North, uh, we are going to do something uh, a little bit different with this. If, uh, we are going to ask that if you desire to get baptized, if you feel like that is uh, the next step in your faith journey that the Lord has put upon your heart to take, that you would just scan that QR code and that you would sign up or register for it. Now, we've not done these signups or registrations before, but what we want to do is we have acknowledged and recognized that we're missing an opportunity to connect with you and to follow up with you and to help you get connected on your next steps. So that is the purpose of the sign-up. Uh, we, it, it's, we're not taking your information, selling it, and making a bunch of money off of it. That's not it. What we're doing is uh, we want to partner with you in your faith journey from your baptism on. So that's coming up. And I'll say this. I'm not supposed to say it, but I'm going to let you know a little secret. If you don't sign up, we'll still baptize you. <laughs> Please sign up, though. All right. Uh, one more announcement off script here, our playground. It is happening, folks. Yes. It, it is a process. It is happening. I want to thank you just on behalf of the leadership in the church here. Thank you so much for your prayers uh, for your generosity in helping us get to where we are. Um, we're at a, a pretty neat stage in our process. Um, uh, this week, uh, we'll start the uh, weather-dependent. <laughs> I hear there's a couple storms out there. Um, but our God is able. Weather-dependent, we will start the massive shade structure uh, this week. So, yeah, just keep that in prayer. So it's awesome. It's coming along. It's been a great blessing for us. All right, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you turn with me to Jonah chapter 3? Jonah chapter 3. While you're making your way uh, to Jonah chapter 3, um, how many of you who have ever received, oh yeah, I'm like, wow, that was a short service. Yes, youth, thank you for knowing what's going on this morning, it makes at least somebody does. Uh, if you are a youth, yeah, why don't you um, just keep doing what you're doing? Yeah. 7th through 12th grade. If you're in 7th through 12th grade and you're wondering why is everyone getting up, uh, just follow them. Uh, they're going, they, they know what's happening. Yeah. I feel like this is a humbling moment and the Lord's like, hey, David, you need to pray. So um, let's pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you, God, that we can, uh, we can have a good time at church. We can, we can laugh together. And Lord, uh, we just, we pray now, Lord, just as our youth are going to their service, uh, Lord, that you would meet them in that place. Lord, that you would anoint um, Pastor Jackson and the, the other youth leaders there, Lord, for that service for them. And that, Lord, uh, we just invest uh, and pray the name of Jesus 
over uh, the generation of our youth, Lord, for we know uh, that they will carry the gospel into a time and a place uh, that none of us in this room will live to see. Um, so, Lord, we pray your blessings over them. We pray your favor over them. And, God, we pray, too, just for our time here this morning, uh, Lord, that you would help us um, by your grace and by your spirit to be attentive uh, to your word. And, Lord, I pray for a humbling of myself and for a filling of your Holy Spirit, that it would be your words, um, not mine. So, Lord, we give you this time, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Jonah chapter 3. Um, how many of you have ever got a call, and you knew who was calling you, but nonetheless, you just clicked them off? <laughs> We're in a safe place. This is church. God sees. He knows. How many of you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so we've done that, right? We, we, we can just be like, you know what? It's not a good time. How about a week from never or whatever it might be? But um, we've clicked people off before. But what happens if that same person calls you back right away? Does that change anything? It does change anything. Callbacks change things, don't they? Now, we've all probably, we've probably all made a call back. And we're calling like, I know they're at their phone. You call them back, you better answer. Right? And at the same time, we have also all been the recipient of a callback. And you know when that person is calling you back, you have a choice to make, don't you? You're like, man. Mm. I wonder what it's going to be. Callbacks carry a greater weight. Callbacks are significant. Callbacks communicate a seriousness on behalf of the caller. You know, Jonah received a call back from God. First time God called Jonah, man, he kind of clicked him off the voicemail. Didn't end up too well. But God called Jonah back. And, and Jonah, we're going to see today, Jonah answered that call back. And it was an incredible, he, Jonah was the, experienced a change. Everything changed for Jonah when he answered God's callback. Did you know today I believe that God is still calling people back? I believe that for some of you in this room watching online, that God is calling back your spiritual phone. And the question that we have to answer today is, how are we going to respond when God calls back? This morning, we're going to learn from our text, Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 4. We're going to learn four callbacks from God and how to respond to him. So you have your Bibles. Read with me, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'm going to pause right there. What did Jonah just get from God? A callback. He got a callback. Now, before we go any further, I want to set a little bit of historical context for us. You see, we know what the last three days of Jonah's life was like. We'll recap that in a minute. But five years, give or take a few, about five years prior to the story of Jonah as we know it, about five years prior to that, Jonah made a prophecy, and it's found in 2 Kings chapter 14. Jonah made a prophecy to King Jeroboam II. Now, at that time, five years prior, 
the northern borders of Israel were occupied by the Assyrians. Jonah prophesied to King Jeroboam that one day Israel will regain that land, that is northern borders, from the Assyrians. Well, a few years after he makes that prophecy, guess what? It comes true. It happens. God moves, and due to just some political dysfunction in Nineveh, uh, Israel was able to regain that northern land from the Assyrians. Jonah is regarded as a celebrity prophet among the Israelites. Now, Jonah's contemporary, Amos, he's another prophet in the Bible, Amos said in Amos chapter 6 that as a result of Jonah's prophecy being fulfilled and Israel regaining their land, the nation of Israel went from a people who were dependent on God to now a people swelling with pride. Look at what we have done. We have routed the fearful Assyrians. And it is at that moment where God calls Jonah back. Jonah, it's not about you. It's about me, God would say. Jonah, I have another assignment for you. I have another call on your life. And this one is to the very people who occupied your northern land. That's where we pick up now. So, continuing, verse 2, God says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the Lord of the world the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. If you're taking notes this morning, the first callback is this. When God calls back, what should we do? Answer. When God calls back, answer. Why? Because it is a second chance to experience his grace and grow in our faith. So God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, and given all that happened, I think we can safely say God got Jonah's attention. And I just want to ask you this morning, as we begin, does God have your attention this morning? Are you attentive to the things that God might have to say to you? Now, what was the, the heart issue for Jonah? I believe that Jonah's heart issue for this whole thing was an issue of the fear of God. Now, what is the fear of God? We can define that in an infinite number of ways, but I recently heard it defined like this, and I thought it was really good. The fear of the Lord is simply taking God seriously in everything, all the time. The fear of the Lord. It's to take God seriously in everything, all of the time. And I think for Jonah, he may have lacked a little bit of that in the beginning. Then maybe, maybe he wasn't taking God seriously at the first call. But we know the seriousness of God because he called back a second time, and Jonah answered the call back. Now, Jonah's thinking, man, God, you've got my attention. I do not I do not want to get thrown overboard on a ship. I certainly do not want to get swallowed by a big fish again. That was not cool. Three nights in the digestive tract of an animal, anything but that. 
And then I, I love, like Pastor Brian left us off last week, uh, he emphasized the verb in chapter 2, Jonah was vomited back up. So we would say today that, that God got Jonah's attention. He's got his attention. So given everything, uh, Jonah now is like, okay, God, I, I will go. But, but what, is, what does God tell Jonah to do? God tells Jonah to what? Two-letter word. Go. Just go. And, and then, the text says, go, and then I will give you the message. Do you see the order of operations there? You know, so often what I believe and what I confess to you I find true uh, a lot in my own life is I'm like, God, before I go, let's huddle up. Let's make sure we got the play down from beginning to end. Like, let, let's run down. Like, how is this going to go from right now for the next 50 years? Like, I'll just let's detail this out. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I find that a lot of times uh, my own spiritual development can be arrested because I am, I am insistent on knowing the full picture. But you know, that's not how God always works. Because when well, we can have many examples in the scripture, we go all the way back to um, uh, Moses and the Israelites. And you remember they're wandering in the wilderness for how many years? 40 years they're wandering in the wilderness. And, and it, the, the text tells us that uh, God led them by a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And whenever the cloud moved, whenever the fire, whenever God moved, the Israelites moved. Whenever God stopped, the Israelites stopped. So every day, it was a day by day by day for 40 years. Now, we can fast forward from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and we see the Apostle Paul. Before he was known as Paul, he was known as Saul of Tarshish. And Acts chapter 8 and chapter 9 uh, reveal to us the moment that Saul met Jesus, and everything changed for Saul. For starters, his name was changed from Saul to Paul. And the text tells us that when Saul encountered Jesus, the very next words from Paul were this, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And what does Jesus say? I want you to go into the city, and then I will tell you what to do. So there is a biblical pattern. We'll talk about one and a little, another one coming up here in a little bit. But in all of those cases, right, it took the Israelites' faith to follow God one step at a time, one day at a time. It took Paul faith to follow Jesus one step at a time, one day at a time. It's going to take Jonah this step of faith to go and then trusting God will give the message. Do you know who else it's going to take faith for? Us in this room that you and I would learn to trust Jesus one step at a time. That's faith. Faith can be a risk because faith is simply trusting in something, or in this case, in someone that we can't see. But our faith is not in our faith, it's in who? It's in God's faithfulness. Knowing that when we text, take that step, Jesus will be there. So Jonah goes, he takes this step of faith. 
not knowing what the message is going to be, just knowing that God is calling him. And what do we learn from that? We learn to trust God, absolutely, but we can learn something about how God works in the life of a believer, how God's working in your life and in my life. And I, I love how, how the Bible commentator Warren Wearsby puts it. He puts it like this. He says that God is more concerned about his workers than he is about their work. For if the workers are what they ought to be, then the work will be what it ought to be. Do you ever notice in Scripture, God's never in a rush to accomplish anything? Right? It's human nature that we would be in a rush. Confession time. I've got this timeline built out for this playground, like down to the day and down to the hour. So far, we've missed the mark about every time. I really want to get this done. But you know who's not in a rush? God's not. Because God's more interested in my own development through this particular project uh, than he is about the playground. God's more interested in your spiritual development than he is interested in whatever he's called you to do. It's not that one's not important. They're both important, but your development and my development are most important. Now, when God calls us back, here at Calvary Chapel, we have uh, what we call our seven disciplines. And our seven disciplines are simply seven ways uh, that we believe God has called us back together. Maybe some of these are true for you. Maybe none of them are true for you. But these are just simply seven ways that we believe God has called every single one of us back. First and foremost is that we would make a gathering for worship a priority. That simply means that what we are doing this morning would be a priority or the priority of our week. That going to church would not just be something we do if we have the time or if nothing better comes up, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I got a better invitation. No, this is the best invitation, the invitation to come and, wor and worship Jesus together. We also believe that spending time with Jesus, God may be calling some of us back to. I know there are times in our life where, where maybe our, our quiet time, our devotional time with the Lord is a little hit and miss, and that happens from different seasons in life. But what we don't want to have happen is that time with Jesus is, happens by accident. We want time with Jesus to be intentional. We want time with Jesus, personal time with Jesus, to be the priority of our day. That we would also connect with community. A great way to connect with community with one another um, is by getting in, connected in groups. By the way, when did groups start? There it is. Thank you. September 11th is a great way to connect with community. Fight for freedom. That we are uh, casting off the weight of sin. That we are growing in our maturity of Jesus. That we would join a serve team. Uh, we'll talk about that later. That we wouldn't be on the sidelines, but we would be engaged in the mission. That we would live on mission for Jesus and that we would invest our resources in what he is doing. Uh, these are just, here at Calvary Chapel again, our seven disciplines or seven ways that God might be calling us back to him. And I would just ask you, what of these is true for you? All right, so when God calls back, if you get nothing out of this message today, when God calls back, what should we do? Answer. Answer. All right, let's read the second together. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. 
And the fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Our second callback is this. When God calls you back, remember that he is faithful. When God calls you back, remember God is faithful. Now, Nineveh was a large city. Some of your translations might say it was an exceedingly great city. It was great in history. It was founded by Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod. It was great in size. Our text tells us it took three days to get from one end to the other. It was great in influence. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was great in wealth. We'll read later. They had many cattle, symbolic of wealth. And it was great in sin. The Assyrians were known and feared for their cruelty and their brutality on people whom they conquered. They would not just enslave those they conquered, nor would they just execute those they conquered. They would torture them to death. Uh, One historian notes that they would put fish hooks through the jaws of their captors, chain them together, and march them through the desert. They were cruel and they were brutal, but they were the people whom God assigned Jonah to go to. So understanding that, maybe some of us can have a little bit of sympathy for Jonah. He's like, hey, I'd rather not have a fish hook through my jaw either. But we remember that when God calls us, God is faithful. Now, when Jonah answered that callback, everything changed for him. You see, callbacks bring change. And a typical human response, I'm going to make a general statement here, so forgive me. A typical human response when you and I are faced with the prospect of change is the immediate question that we ask is, what's the cost? What is this change going to cost me? By nature, we're creatures of habit. Change always brings a cost. You know, for Jonah, and by the way, let me emphasize something here. Uh, change is not always bad. Change is just change. But as we evaluate cost, remember Jonah. Jonah is the celebrity prophet from five years ago. He regained the northern border. So he's also a leading prophet for the Jewish nation. So what's at stake here? Well, his reputation's at stake. His standard of living is at stake. His respect among his colleagues and his peers is at stake. Uh, The list would go on at everything that is potentially at stake. We could say for us, man, what's at stake? Whether our standard of living, our salary, our status, our position, our, our comfort, you name it. We can go down the list and make an entire list of what it might cost us to answer God's callback. But I want to rephrase the question. What is the cost to not answer God's callback? What is the cost of not answering God's callback? Now, we see that whenever God calls, change is inevitable. Change will always be met with the fear of cost. We see that throughout Scripture. We see that with the Israelites when they were at the Valley of Elah that one day facing the Philistine army. And for 40 days, Goliath would come out and they would taunt the Philistines. And the Philistine, um, Goliath would come out and taunt the Israelites. I'm sorry. And the Israelites would shrink back in fear. Why? Because they knew that if they took that step of faith, they might be killed. But so long as they just played this game of taunting, 
they would live to see another day. We see that with Moses. When God called Moses to go to Pharaoh and, and, and declare, set my people free. What do we see? Moses gave excuse after excuse after excuse, but God was faithful. He provided uh, Aaron to come as his helper. God also, let me backtrack here, provided a little shepherd boy, David, to slay the giant Goliath. We see it throughout all of Scripture. We see this same pattern with Jacob, with Joshua, with Daniel, with Isaiah, with Samuel. We see it with the apostles too. Each in their own way had to contend with the fear of change and faith in God. But also, each in their own way, overcame the fear of change with faith in God. And the book of Hebrews gives us a summary of the result of what happens when someone takes a step of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 33, says this, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. When you and I take a step of faith and we step over fear with faith, God is faithful to meet us in that place. He will overcome. And the Bible tells us, uh, there's something really good about God, something really helpful for us and true of him. And it comes from 2 Timothy, and it says this, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny who he is. So when God calls you back, when you are perhaps faced with this, what's this going to cost me? Remember this, God is faithful. He is faithful. So our faith then as we take those steps of faith, our faith is then in who? It's in God's faithfulness. It's knowing he will be there. He's with me here. He will be with me there. You have nothing to fear taking steps of faith following Jesus. Let's read what happens next. Beginning in verse 6, when Jonah's warning reached I lost my place. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And who knows, verse 9 says, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Church, our third callback from God this morning is this. When God calls back, remember, it's for your good, his glory, and great blessing. When God calls back, it's for your good, his glory, and great blessing. Now, Jonah's message was eight simple words. Forty more days, and Nineveh would be overturned. 
Now, whether or not that is the entirety of the message that God gave, uh, we're not entirely sure, but what we are sure of is that is the core, that is the heart, that is the takeaway, that is the point that God was trying to make. That is the point that God did make. And, and for Jonah, he might have been thinking like, man, all right, God, here we are. We're at the city gates of Nineveh. Man, just as a quick recap, God, in case you forgot, um, because of you, you, know, you can just picture Jonah maybe pay, passing some blame here. Yeah, I was thrown into a, the ocean. It was a storm. Um, got swallowed by a fish three days in its digestive tract. Experienced what it's like to be vomited. Uh, walked through the desert. Got here. Um, Lord, I answered your call back. And that's the message you're giving me? Really, God? That's it. A little anticlimactic. But here's the thing. When you and I take the little that the Lord has maybe entrusted to us and we are faithful to give it back to him, God's going to do great things in and through your life with what you give him. Now, we see that with Jesus. You know the story. One day, he and his disciples uh, were up on a hilltop in Galilee, and Jesus had been preaching all day, and it was getting late at night. It was the sun was starting to set. And, and one of his disciples, I believe it was Philip, came up to Jesus, and, and he said, hey, Jesus, um, yeah, it's getting a little late. Don't you think we should, you know, wrap this up? People are hungry. And uh, what does Jesus say? He says, you feed them. <laughs> you take care of it. What's he doing? He's, he is fostering an environment of faith. He's doing that with you. He's doing that with me. So Philip, he goes, and they find his poor boy, take his lunch, his milk money, um, and they come back to Jesus, and Philip's like, oh, boy, we got not six but five loaves now. Uh, all right, Jesus, here we go. We got five loaves, two fish. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not enough for me. Um, but Jesus, what? He blesses it, and he says, go distribute this among the people. The text tells us that at the end, the disciples went after everyone had their fill, and they gathered 12 basketfuls of leftovers. When we entrust Jesus with the little, what does he do with it? He makes much. Why? For our good, his glory, and great blessing. For Jonah, the message that God gave him to give to the Ninevites would be the verbal equivalent of five loaves and two fishes. Really, God, that's it? What was the result? An entire city repented. Now, what else was happening here? Something even greater was happening. Remember Jonah, right? He is a Jewish uh, prophet, right? And he's not just any Jewish prophet. If you recall back from 2 Kings 14, he's kind of the celebrity prophet in this moment. And what God was doing through Jonah to the Ninevites was so much greater than anything Jonah could have conceived at that moment. Because this was so much more than a, the city of Nineveh repenting and turning to God. This was so much more than just one person answering a callback. This was a continuation of God's promise to reach all the nations with the good news. If you go all the way back with me to Genesis chapter 3, centuries before Noah's, uh, Jonah's time, God makes a promise to a man named Abraham. 
And he says this in, in Genesis, I'm sorry, chapter 12. He says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Let's pause there. What did God first tell Abram to do? Go. What was the cost? Your country, so familiarity, your people, community, your father's household, security. Familiarity, community, security. Go, and then what? Then I'll show you. Abraham, start walking, and then I will re reveal my plan to you how one step at a time. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And here it is. And all peoples on earth will what? Be blessed through you. So what's happening here through Jonah in Nineveh? A continuation of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Gentiles are receiving the blessing of God. You see, you and I don't know all of God's playbook. We know what he has revealed to us. We know how it ends, but we don't know all the details, but we know God is faithful, and that is enough. So when God calls you back, take the step of faith because he sees what we don't see. He knows what we don't know, and he sees the end from the beginning. It will all work out. He's working out something great in your life, which will be a greater blessing to all people when we take that step of faith. You will be blessed, God will be glorified, and others will be blessed around you. We have nothing to fear. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 4. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Right, and he became angry. What was Jonah angry about? He was angry that the message he preached was effective. That would be like if at the end of this weekend I went home and I went to my wife, like, that was the worst. Like, people put their faith in Jesus, like, ah, oh, why would they do that? that, that that's the Jonah equivalent. This seemed very wrong. He became angry. And look at what he does next. Verse 2. He prayed. Like he didn't just like kick a cactus. He prayed, Lord, isn't this what I said? I tried to forestall all of this by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate. I know you're slow to anger, God. I know you abound you overflow with love. I know you relent from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life away. It's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah's upset that people repented. Jonah's upset that the God of Israel was also, is also the God of the whole world. You know the verse well. 
John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so loved the Israelites, does it? What does it say? For God so loved, what? The world. God so loved you. God so loved me. God so loves the people that irritate us. But that's our God. And the Ninevites received the message, and what did they do? They repented. Now, if you were here last week, you heard a great message from Pastor Brian. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back online and, and listen to it. It was a phenomenal message on repentance. And I want to borrow from his message just uh, uh, two points that he made. Up on the screen, what does repentance, repentance entail? Well, the two elements of it are a change of heart and a change of action. It, it, it's, it's, it's being serious about taking God seriously. I'm going to change my heart attitude and I'm going to change my actions. Now look at Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God. All repentance is turning back to God. That's what repentance is. At its core foundation, it's, it's turning back to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing, that word means blessing, may come from the Lord. The Ninevites repented. We must also repent. But to Jonah, this seemed what? Very wrong. He became angry. Jonah lacked compassion. Now, what is compassion? Compassion simply means being full of mercy. Being full of mercy. Jonah wanted compassion for himself. He wanted God's compassion for himself, but he wanted God all to himself, not for others. Now, what does the Bible tell us? Listen to the heart of God, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Jesus speaking, he says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, what did he have? Compassion. What does compassion mean again? Being full of mercy. He was full of mercy on them because why? They were confused and helpless, lost like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know what Jesus has on you and I this morning? He has compassion. He has compassion for you. He knows your yesterday. He knows your afternoon. He knows this week ahead of you. And guess what? He still has compassion. He has compassion for me. Our God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and patient. For some of you, that may be the first time you're hearing a God like that, but that is the God of the Bible. The Bible tells us in Matthew, again, I think chapter, what is it? 11. You think I know by now. It's my third time doing it. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11. Jesus gives you and I an invitation. He says, come to me. All. Who? All of you. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. See, life is all about knowing Jesus and making him known. The same God who was with Jonah is the same God who was with you and I. He doesn't change. His compassion doesn't change. Read with me what happens next. Verse 5 through 8. Jonah had gone out and sat down. Remember, he's fuming. He's mad. He wants to die. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. 
And there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, made it grow up over Jonah, gave him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But the next day, the Lord God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. He's describing one of our afternoons. <laughs> he wanted to die. He said it'd be better for me to die than to live in this Florida heat. But for the second time, a whole, a whole city just repented. And for the second time in Jonah's ministry, he abandons the place where God is at work. You know, God is at work. We need to be reminded of that. I wanted to share with you just four or just a few ways, a few indicators where might help us see where God may be at work. Let's look up on the screen. Uh, indicators that God's at work. Is Jesus of the Bible being made known? Are people being saved and set free by Jesus? Are people growing in their relationship with Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit at work? Are prayers being answered? These are indicators that God may be at work in a place. It was certainly what was happening in Nineveh. And for Jonah, the good Christian that he is, what did he do? He got mad. He pouted. He removed himself from the, prob from, from the work the Lord was doing. The Bible tells us he built what a shelter. So what does this look like? We're up here. We're having service this morning. I'm up here. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you. I mean, I hope some of this is happening. It's been my prayer that some of this is happening in your life. But it would be like, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to, it's noon. I'm hungry. I'm out. But this is what it looks like to abandon a place of ministry. And we can, they're doing so well with those cameras. I'm going to keep moving. Keep the camera on the pulpit there. I'm going to sit next to you. How you doing? Awesome. I'm all right. This is ad-libbed. Um, so as we look at this right now, this is what's happening in Jonah. This is what's happening in Nineveh. God's doing a work. Jonah leaves the stage. He just gets up and leaves, and he sits down in the corner on a sand dune somewhere, and he gets, he pouts, he crosses his arms, he clenches his teeth, and he's angry. He's angry because God is at work, and he builds a shelter. He removes himself from the work God is doing. That's some of us in this room. That's some of us watching online. I want to share with you four shelters we can build. We can build a shelter of busyness. You know the story. It comes from Luke chapter 10. Two ladies in the Bible, Mary and Martha. Which was the busy one? Martha, Martha. good. Yeah, Martha. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Martha was the busy one, and, and, and Jesus was there, and, and Martha's like, he, she was so busy, she kept having these excuses why she couldn't come and sit at the feet of Jesus. It's because she was doing so much for Jesus that she couldn't be with Jesus. Some of us are too busy. We've built a shelter of busyness. Others of us have built a shelter of self-reliance. Now, we know the story. The parable Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12, the rich man, and he said, I, I built these barns. Look, I built a bigger barn. I got more stuff because I'm super successful. And look at all that 
I have accomplished. I've built more to hold all of my toys. And Jesus says, don't you know, you fool, this very, life, your life, this very night your life's going to be taken from you. We can build a shelter of self-pity. Maybe you remember John chapter 5, the paralytic is paralyzed for 38 years. One day Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, bud, you want to get well? And the guy's like, ah, I've got 17 excuses why I can't get well. And Jesus is like, no, do you just, do you just stop with the excuses? Do you want to get well? That's some of us in here. We feel we're not worthy. Let me tell you what, you're not, but Jesus is. And he invites you. And the last one is bitterness. And this is really, this is really where Jonah was camping out. He was bitter. He had a hard heart. Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Some of how do we get that bitterness? How do we get that anger? Man, it can come in many different ways, but some of us in here, we're harboring hurts. We're harboring uh, church hurts. And some of us are just sitting here saying, I'm not getting involved. I'm not going to contribute. I'm not joining a serve team. I'm not joining a group. I'm slipping in the back door, slipping out the back door. I'll come in after the first worship song, leave when he's praying. Tear down your shelter. Tear down that shelter. There's no place for that in the house of God. Jesus is inviting you and I to be in part of something so great and so grand, it, ha- it, it will ripple through eternity. Let's be a part of what God's doing. Let's tear down these shelters. Let's be a part of the work of the Lord. Let's get connected. Let's see what God is doing. Now, sadly, for Jonah, we'll read here in a moment, his story just ends. But God provided something for Jonah despite his pouting. What did he provide him? A leaf, shade. And why? Because God still has compassion on Jonah. You know, today, I know there's a diverse group, there's a mixed group of us in here, and we, we all have stuff we're carrying. I've got stuff we're ca- I'm carrying. I'm so thankful today that despite the shelters I may be building, God still has compassion on me. You know, God still has compassion on you. His invitation to you and I, though, and I'm putting myself in this because I am just as susceptible of building a shelter. He's inviting us to leave the shelter behind and join him in the city that we would win it for Jesus Christ. He's inviting us to partner with him. Now, why? God's more concerned about your spiritual health than your present comforts. He's more concerned about your spiritual health than your present comforts. But Jonah's story, it kind of just ends. Read with me the conclusion. Beginning in verse 9, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I am so angry. I wish I were dead. I saw a meme the other day. said, forgive me for all the things I said when it was hot outside. (laughs) I think we can relate to that. I think that's what's happening with Jonah. It's so hot, I wish I was dead. Uh, But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight. It died overnight. And here it is, verse 11. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hands from their left and also many animals? That's just, there was a wealthy. And here's the deal. Jonah's story just ended. We don't 
have any other record of what happened, how Jonah responded, but that's not the point because I don't think the point God was trying to make was how does Jonah's story end? I think the point that God was trying to make is for you and I to answer the question that God posed to Jonah, shall I not be concerned? Shall you and I today not be concerned about the things that God is concerned about? And here's the deal, church. You woke up this morning, which means for some of you, what's God doing? He's calling you back. Why is God calling you back? Leads us to our fourth and final point. God's calling you back because he's not done writing your story. He's not through with you. For some of you this morning, your spiritual phone is ringing. You know who it is because you've gotten that call before. When God calls back, what do we do? Answer the call. So whatever it is, whatever that callback is, whatever it is the Lord has pressed upon your heart, whatever he's calling you back to do, friend, let's answer the call. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. We thank you for your compassion. And Lord, we know today that there is one who is greater than Jonah who, unlike Jonah, they didn't turn and run. But for the joy that was set before him, endured the agony of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Our hope is in you. Our story begins with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you, you know God's calling you back. Would you just raise your hand in this moment and just saying, I recognize today that God is calling me back into relationship with him. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah, amen. Balcony. Yes, yes, yes. Online, there's a number. To please call in. Yes, yes. He has compassion on you. He isn't angry. He loves you. His burden is easy, his yoke is light. Lord, we thank you. You're making calls all over this morning. Lord, second, we confess, and I, I am going to raise my hand here. Some of us have built a spiritual shelter. For whatever reason, maybe we're, we're disengaged with something, we're upset about something, we're too busy, we've got self-pity, we're self-reliant. If you've got a shelter, would you just raise your hand? Saying, I recognize that, that there's some work that needs to be done in my own heart. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're not alone. If your hand's up, you're not alone. We're human. We need each other. Above all, we all need Jesus. Lord, you know the heart. We're humbling ourselves right now, and we're confessing. 
Jesus, we need your help. Help us tear down the shelters that we've built. Help us to re-engage, to be a part of what you're doing here in our community and around the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Lord, help us today to take steps of faith, to trust you more and more. We surrender all we have for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. Would you stand, church? All to Jesus I surrender All to Thee I freely I will ever love And trust in His God calls back, what are we going to do? We're going to answer the call. Because he's not done writing your story. There's more for you. It's not so much what we're doing, it's who we're becoming. So when God calls, let's answer together. Together, I'm, right, I'm, I'm also learning to follow Jesus. Let's follow him together, church. Many of you raised your hands this morning for whether it was being called back to relationship with God or it was, whether it was for a shelter that needed to be torn down. If you have any prayer needs, come on up front. I'm up here. My wife's up here. We want to pray with you. We have got an incredible prayer team. We want to pray because our God is able and our God calls back. He is a God of what? Second chances. Guys, we love you. I want to invite you to go out to the Commons Fellowship, get connected to the center ring, because when did groups start again? <laughs> awesome, September 11th. Guys, we thank you. Thank you, too, for your faithfulness and your generosity and your giving to the Lord. We love you, and we will see you this week, and sooner or later, we'll see you on the playground. <laughs>